0: Welcome back to The Popular Parallax, a sci-fi limited series podcast hosted by our guest for this series, Milo De Venus, and me, Jerika Lala. Be sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Popular Parallax. And now, join us on a nine-episode escapade through the epidemic-ridden hellscape of... The Last of Us. We promised you a bonus episode, and now we're here recording that bonus episode. It's the Popular Parallax limited podcast series of The Last of Us from Crave and HBO. I'm Jerika Lala. And I'm Milo DeVinus. And here we are with our final thoughts and feelings on... The Last of Us, which ended last week. You thought you
1: saw The Last of Us, didn't you?
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my God.
1: Dad, no. <laughs> We're here to give you even more thoughts and opinions, because you didn't have enough of that. No. Previous nine iterations of it. <laughs> <laughs> that <It's
0: not> will <probably laughs> enough. So fortunately, uh, Milo yeah. did set out some thoughts and feelings that we could go through and sort of share. So would you like to start mm-hmm. us off with that, Milo?
1: Yes. Well, so, you know, we're we're doing this to sort of, you know, the dust has settled. the The things have happened. We've got a completed narrative of nine episodes of this show. And now it's fun to, like, you know, look back and think about what our highs and lows were for season one of The Last of Us. And so, Jerrica, I'd like to put the question to you first. Is there an episode that tops your list of the nine that we've had on offer? Which one, after all is said and done, feels like the highlight for you over the course of the last several weeks?
0: I would say it's a tie between episodes one and two. Oh, okay. The, The initial shock and introduction to the world was the most drawing in for me that there was and the most excitement that I felt watching Mm -hmm. the show even out of the later ones and everything that that initial boom Mm -hmm. at the start I was just like oh my lord this is wild and it was I thought the earlier the show went the more relatable it was um Mm -hmm. As it started going out, it was still interesting and it was still a good show, but it got less like, this is like what could happen here. I started to lose that a little bit.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. I think episode two for me was especially great. Like, just start to finish, you know, with that cold opening that we got in Jakarta with the introduction to you know, the, the flour factory or the, the wheat factory or whatever it was, and and the worker who had been bitten and that excellent performance by that ac- Indonesian actress um, as the mycologist. Like, it was so eerie. And granted, we'd had a similar kind of cold opening in the first episode with the talk show set in the 1960s, but that, like you were saying, Jerica, was much more present or closer to our present timeline. And felt so much more real and visceral but then you have that whole incredible sequence of joel and tess and ellie leaving the boston qz and then the like clickers the first time we get to see the clickers in that what was it like the museum or whatever it was yeah. it was just and horrifying crawling, and crawling
0: then... around in the street that's what got me i was like oh my god yeah yeah, that was shocking too.
1: Yeah.
0: And
1: yeah, we only got Anna Torv, who played Tess for two episodes in a bit, but I thought she was just such an incredible performer in these, you know, small moments. And her death in the government building at the end of episode two was just I mean, we'd already seen so many like brutal moments, but it was such a um an important climax. Uh, for this part of the story mm-hmm. and the fact that we were going to get sort of these really huge moments throughout the episodes were, was established here like and you always know in zombie stuff that you're going to see major characters die so it's not exactly a surprise but the way they did it the the impact the mood the, the tragedy but also the hope that sort of fusion of she is going to die but she's telling Joel you've got to get this kid across the country and that monumental delivery of like you have to keep going even though it seems bleak and you don't want to and you've lost so many people like that was such a beautiful moment of such very extreme emotions and I think it really set up what this show does best Mm -hmm. toward you know the end of what I guess was essentially the introduction I mean there were two separate episodes but they all felt like a complete narrative within a narrative so yeah i agree that's why i sort of picked both because it was
0: like it was like chapter one really to me those first two episodes together
1: yeah so for me yeah two was really high up there and then seven was my other personal favorite left behind where we get the ellie and riley backstory had a bit of a slow kickoff as we discussed in that episode but overall i felt that narrative was really well contained and very you know Authentic, as I said, to, or felt more authentic to what a queer experience might be in a zombie apocalypse setting. And I just thought it was such a, a great fleshing out of a part of Ellie's story that we didn't get to see in the contemporary narrative.
0: I just liked that they let Bella carry an episode, basically, because she she was equally good. I did read up later that that, that is a real part of the game. And people are always excited. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that that part, I don't know as much detail, but like going into the next, but when she like has the showdown with the like the church guys and everything, people go, oh my God, I'm playing Ellie. Like that's a big exciting thing in the mm-hmm. game that suddenly you're, you're her point of view mm-hmm. rather than his point, because he's dying. Mm-hmm. And now you're her and you've got to carry the, the shoulder, the weight to have them survive. And I thought they, they did that pretty effectively on the show because I felt the same way your point of view shifts to her mm-hmm. and her alone. And we talk
1: about chemistry between Pedro and Bella throughout the show but a lot of people I do think put more of an emphasis on Pedro Pascal he's the internet darling right now of yeah. course so getting to see Bella Ramsey play on her own there and then you know bringing in Storm Reed and and fleshing that out that was really great she got she got to shine she had mm-hmm. to have a moment and really prove to people because from what i understand of the internet fervor around the show when it was announced nobody batted an eye at pedro being cast as joel yeah. but there was a lot being said about bella ramsey's capabilities to play women Ellie are always
0: doubted and- more. women are always doubted more mm-hmm. It's always like, oh, he's Mm -hmm. okay, but can she handle it? That's always the fucking thing. Yes. So it's not surprising. Exactly.
1: And and that whole episode felt like just a middle finger to all of those assholes who were just like, man, she won't be able to do it. She's blah, blah, blah. Like she is incredible. And it's not just when she's on screen with Pedro. It's when she's doing the heavy lifting of an episode as the main character. Yeah. Which she is. This is Ellie and Joel's story, of course. And so this was really just excellent. So those two were my my faves, my favorites of the season, for sure. And to counter that, <laughs> what, in your mind, Jerrica, was the biggest stinker? Because we had a lot of opinions.
0: Yeah, And it's got to season- be three. It's got to be
1: three. It's
0: got to be three. Sorry, sorry, guys. And I'm not saying, like, oh, it was the worst thing ever. But out of this to pick, that's the one I'm going to pick. Mm-hmm yeah i feel bad too because i know it got review bombed and shit and it's not about having a queer storyline i just thought it just didn't quite jive with the show like the rhythm was off was too early to do that Mm -hmm. the pace was off from the rest of the show so it was just it just was problematic to me on Mm -hmm. all kinds of levels that wasn't the queer thing it was all other stuff
1: I really do wish and I said this when we reviewed it in our third episode of the podcast that they had it went just, on forever. That went on and on and on and on. The 7-year yeah. long episode. Yeah. I really just wish that they had jumped from the fight with the raiders into Joel and Ellie showing up. I mean, I understand the motivation for having them like live out their long lives and we talked oh. all about that before, but yeah. I just I really just wish that they had trimmed that last 15 minutes or so down and and kept them alive as we,
0: we talked. Or are, you, are you intimating the show was too long? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I
0: think was- you're right. Like, it, th- that thing could have lost. And it also, it, we could have ramped up the excitement a little bit, right? I mean, yeah. just because they get to have a nice life and everything, it doesn't mean we have to see every minute of it. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean like maybe they could have expanded the Raider thing so you saw more fighting, or like I don't even know. It was so slow compared to the other shows. Yeah.
1: And when now that we have the 12 and a half minute long season finale in our pockets, it feels mm-hmm. a, le- a little bit egregious that episode three yeah. got such a bloated runtime like episode one sure that's our introduction then, yeah you know and, and I think it's not unheard of for HBO shows or just you know prestige cable shows in general to do cinematic introductions yeah I would have appreciated some of that runtime tacked on to episode nine from episode three so that we could have gotten a little more weight or you know I guess we don't have to trimmed three down too much to give minutes to other episodes let's just make the other episodes longer inherently this is hbo we need not make an argument for yeah. longer episodes because yeah the networks has got the money my personal low though still is episode eight the when we are in need episode with the cannibals
0: dude i fucking love that episode what are you talking about <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jerrica. I' know. That's okay. no, no, that's okay. i I see where you're coming from, it's, but I was just ready for some excitement. You know what I'm saying? I was ready for some like crazy ass shit. i there were moments that
1: I still appreciated in it, but I just I just wish they had gone about it in a different way. I would have liked a creepier, more mysterious lead- in and then, you know, buff it out with some action sequences. Earlier on, that just you know, for a show that's about creepy mushroom zombies, we didn't have quite as many creepy mushroom zombie major
0: set pieces. No, like, they sure, they held it back. They held it back for sure. I don't know if they're they're. Like, I mean, I, we had some stuff, but they're saving it. They didn't want to mm-hmm. outspend themselves. I think they don't want people to be like, oh, not zombies again.
1: And I appreciate the less is more approach overall. But I still felt we could have had just one or two, (laughs) especially because if I remember correctly from what I read afterward, in that sequence where Ellie's out hunting the deer before she meets David, I think in the video game, there actually was an encounter with a clicker for that. Because if you remember in the episode, we didn't talk about this when we were reviewing it, but there was that sound of that clicker in the distance. And I think it was supposed to be like a wink yeah, to video yeah game people oh we're not doing it we're not doing it but you yeah. thought we were because you think you know
0: everything they did a and, lot of that in the show uh, too they did a lot of like yeah. what's that oh never mind it's nothing and you're like i'm having a heart it's attack not happening. like what yeah
1: <laughs> i know the cat comes in the room and makes a creaking sound similar to that sometimes and i'm like the mushrooms are here
0: I think what I, I did enjoy about that episode, too, was that I fully thought that they were going to have Joel come in and, like, shoot that guy at the last minute. And she had to get herself out of it completely. I was a fan of that. As it was violent, excellent. as horrible as it was, I was like, I like that he didn't get there in time to actually murder anybody for her. She got to murder them herself. <laughs> she murdered the original Joel. She murdered
2: everybody.
1: She killed a lot. It was an excellent ending to that episode. And I think an excellent first, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Like I didn't mind the first sequence with David. I just wish there was more, more of a creepy vibe. And especially, I think I said this in the episode where we reviewed it, but because we've got nine episodes instead of 10, and I'm sure it was a budgetary thing and all that, but just give us, I just wanted more. And that's I, why episode I totally get
0: you. yeah I I think that it did undermine the guy by having it come out mm-hmm. so quick. like it would have been nice if he could have exercised his acting a little longer and kept me guessing longer about yeah. what his intentions were, right it It went into exactly what you'd expect too fast. Like yeah. too fast, and I totally see where you're coming from with that. I just like seeing little girls break grown men's fingers in half and then stab them 25 times, and that's it why it was not episode. my least favorite episode. <laughs> you
1: know, the, the, the jabbing in the kneecaps and the broken oh, and dude, broken fingers, it was excellent brutality, excellent. Sure. Nice, Excellente. it had its moments. There's not been an episode. Of this season, where I have been like, yeah, <clears throat> trash. get rid of it.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Everything totally. has had its redeemable moments. I still love that strawberry moment from you know Bill and Frank's excellent adventure, <laughs> even though it was a little cheesy. <laughs> but terrible. I still love that. And
0: you know. <laughs> well, that's but and you that's know. another good example. Like, imagine the effectiveness ofness of that scene if we'd had more, a little more scares and a little more action in other parts. Then it would have yeah. been like, oh, that was a great little change of pace. But instead, the whole thing was like that. <laughs> the final, God damn it! I know, Jerica. I know, and it, it
1: speaks to the things that that I think the show hopefully will correct when we get into next season. Oh, is, we'll
0: see. I don't know. Or they'll double down.
1: Because they be a- I
0: mean, I have to say, just watching a bit of their special they are damn pleased with themselves, like they're all giving themselves medals over this, so I'm not sure they think anything is amiss and I mm-hmm. and why should they a billion people watching it? No,
1: that's a good point. It, it's definitely a huge success, and why would you tweak? something that is so obviously well received especially you know bringing in the money for all hbo and that's the bottom line you know so but i do wonder because there has been a lot of chat on the internet about the second video game which will provide the basis of the second season yeah and there was a lot there was a lot of critique of that now i don't really know what that critique entails some of it was transphobia because there is definitely a trans character coming from for season two and so we don't need to take the transphobes the time of day for that stuff
0: but i've also
1: seen people critique it from a storyline perspective so i'm wondering if they'll go and try and correct some of the perceived narrative problems of yeah. the second video game when adapting it. Again, I don't really know the details of that, and I'm trying to stay as unspoiled as possible since I already ruined a major plot point just <laughs> casually looking things up.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> you can do that. much more of that. <laughs>
1: exactly. But you know, hopefully hopefully they'll at least feel more comfortable knowing how successful the show is and knowing that there's an audience now for the television adaptation in yeah. playing a little bit more with things giving us a little more time with certain characters and moving their deaths around and you hit the same end point ultimately but take a slightly different journey that's that can be fun right
0: yeah <laughs> and like why just remake the video game and now and there it's funny because they're talking like oh we did a lot with this first one and i'm i don't know i think they did stuff but you could tell like especially you even commented like Toward the end of this series, they were like, we are right on track. We are doing exactly what the video game does. Like, we are reshooting this video game. Almost. Not quite, but almost. So it's like, it's time to get a little more adventurous, I think. Especially if there are issues bigger than the issues in season one, of which there were some issues. It's like, get a little more bold in how to make this into a TV show. You can't be a slave to these people who are just like these diehard video game fans. They've seen the video game already. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to like play with it a bit. You just, you know, sure you don't want to like change some major ending plot point, but you can go there a little bit differently. Mm -hmm.
1: I keep seeing this line thrown around about it being the most successful video game adaptation ever in terms of like, the process of adaptation yeah. and that comes part and parcel with this video game adaptation suck and everything sucks when you when you try and adapt it because it goes too crazy and like I I do appreciate the fact that sometimes shows in an attempt to surprise the audience will go so wildly off course from the source material that they yeah. will ruin things totally like, I, I was a big fan of The Walking Dead graphic novels long before the show was put on. And that's like the only graphic novel I've ever seen. And it was my introduction to zombie love. And Robert Kirkman, who wrote those, created the show and was the showrunner at AMC. And he purposely went out of his way to deviate as much as possible. And The Walking Dead is very frequently critiqued negatively for those things. Things and how incoherent the plot became. And it wasn't appeasing to most of the fans of the comic books. And it wasn't really appeasing to the audience who had never read it either. I get nervousness around deviating too far, especially since we've already seen a case in zombie fiction where it's gone poorly, although poorly is relative. The Walking Dead was also a huge show that ran for like eleven seasons, so you know something was going right. Yeah, I would I would hope that they still feel comfortable over at The Last of Us with shifting things around and keeping the television narrative in mind. I
0: think that's the key. Like, it we just it's just like don't just reshoot the game. That's all I'm saying. Like, find other things to not necessarily destroy what's there, but add to what's there. That's what we were been talking about. It's just like this could have used a little more padding on it to invigorate that original story and make it seem more true to life when it's real people that it's happening to and not a beautifully artistic, digitalized game where you are one (laughs) step removed. All right, let's go to the next question. Yes. Okay. So we've talked a lot
1: about Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey's performances and how incredible they are as actors, both when they're doing their own thing and when they're playing off each other. But this show has offered a wide variety of side characters, secondary characters, guest characters, that have really stood out, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but for the most part... (laughs) We've had some we've had some good good times with these new friends we've made. So, Jerrica, is there a secondary character or guest character that remains in your mind for good or bad reasons?
0: Graham Greene, baby.
1: That's who. Get I was him gonna...
0: back on the show, and I'll give the silver medal yeah, to Nick. Off. I love get Nick on. Mm-hmm. Get, Nick should have been on the show longer.
1: Well, if he wasn't freaking dead, and then you yeah,
0: should've... well, that's well, that's what happens to all of them, right? Yeah. I mean, it didn't happen yeah. to Graham, but they were they were almost side joke characters.
1: Right. Yeah, they served for some comic relief at the beginning of yeah. the episode
0: six, was it? Yeah. Yeah, the great presence on both of them, Graham Greene and the lady playing the wife, but they were of no yeah, it... huge significance.
1: Yeah. I think they were added characters to the show, so I don't know, like... If I don't think they had video game counterparts to come in in second in the second season, but they are my pick as well. Graham Greene and Elaine Mills, I believe, is the name of the actress who played the right. wife. And they, their cabin isn't that far away from Jackson in the show. Right,
0: it's just beyond the river, river and of death. I'm, exactly. Yeah. So I'm
1: hoping that that is a reason enough for them to come back because they really were stellar. And we did touch on this a little bit when we were viewing that episode, but just to have an indigenous presence in the show would be excellent. And there's so much room for storytelling there. And one of the appeals of zombie fiction in general, I think, is the conversation about what other worlds are possible and what changes when the systems of power in play collapse from our own world. Yeah. So getting to see what yeah. that would mean to indigenous communities in this narrative would be incredible. And like, we've got, I think their character names are Marlon and Florence. We've got Marlon and Florence hanging out there doing just dandy. Yeah.
0: Without, for 20 years. You
1: know, the systems yeah. for 20 years. Right. Yeah. And so I'd like to, I'd love to see more of that. Just you know, and Graham Greene is such an incredible actor. Like, yeah. give us more. Legend. Joel owes him some rabbits, so we could at least have a nice scene where he gives him some rabbits back. Agreed. After stealing his stuff, was there anyone else that was was a highlight for you?
0: I liked the deaf boy and his mm-hmm. brother, the Canadian guy. I thought, like, most mm-hmm. of the, the temporary characters we came across, again, this is a, a recurring issue with the show, I stopped allowing myself become too entangled with them because I knew they'd be dead. I knew they'd be dead. Right. <laughs> like, I knew 100% mm-hmm. they're not going to be allowed to live. And, out like, after the the queer couple and then the two guys... I was just like, fuck mm-hmm. this. Because it was just like this... Because both times I was like, maybe they're going to do something, and they didn't. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: You know? I am like, wondering if...
0: The little girlfriend, dead. Every, everybody you meet, dead. And I understand that was a flashback, but it's just mm-hmm. like, don't get too tied up with anybody who's not Ellie or Joel. That was the bottom line. Yeah. And that, to me, gave retained that video game factor that's some of the stuff that and you know we we already discussed this Mm -hmm. but they have to learn how to stretch out some of these plot points at least beyond a one to two show thing because it did become very predictable Mm -hmm. really predictable like even listen even when when bella met that weird minister i was i was like he's gonna be dead Mm -hmm. Like, it yeah. was a great, it was a fun episode, it was fun watching them fight, but I was like, he, somebody, I didn't know if it was going to be her or somebody else, but somebody's going to kill this guy for 100%. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> There's
0: no question yeah. about it, because by the end of the episode, he will have to be dead, and possibly his whole community will be dead. Who yes. knows, right? We're never seeing these people yeah. again. There's my rant Well, I'm curious,
1: <laughs> I'm curious about, about that part, too, because, I mean... I, I agree with you that we probably will never see those those fun-loving cannibals again because, you know, they didn't really seem to be concerned in the current narrative yeah. about them coming back for season one, at least. But I do know that we're going to be in Jackson next season, and so I'm, I'm just wondering if of the, like, six and a half people left alive at the end of season <laughs> one, would any of them? possibly come back like would i would just i would like it if there were narrative repercussions for murdering a whole bunch of the people responsible for protecting that community in the eyes of the people who did survive yeah. right yeah. like
0: they're probably too ooh, busy cooking and eating those ooh. guys that ellie killed so they're busy
1: they're like, mmm, delicious. It yeah, smells like stuff. bacon in here. We can't do anything about revenge. Who,
0: maybe, yeah. they're, maybe they're glad the guy's dead. Like, who, he was ruling with fear. There's no question about that. I know he was kind of taking care of them, but he was taking care of them with carcass meat. Human carcass
1: Yeah, meat. so I don't know.
0: So I don't know. I don't know. Uh-huh. But that's, yeah, maybe that's something Like well, come my back mother, to. Maybe it's not.
1: My mind goes to that, that little girl, the one whose father was killed by yes. Ellie and Joel, and I wonder if there's going to be... Like, that just seems like there's potential for revenge narratives and, you know, that dynamic of two young women in the apocalypse. Like, obviously, Ellie has had to do lots of nasty things, but we're on her side for the most part. But for that other girl, what's her perspective? Like, she lost so many people. And yes, they were probably very awful to her, but like... If that's the only safe place she knew in the apocalypse, she's probably got a pretty warped perspective on it. So she's gonna
0: get so. There's, there's a lot of potential and just there. Rip her way out of that pinafore and come at them with a gun. It's gonna be great.
1: Mm. You can hide a lot of machetes in a pinafore. That's yeah, I, sure.
0: I love a pinafore. That's for sure. Okay, let's let's go to the next le- next <laughs> question, Milo. For the love of God,
1: Derek <laughs> <laughs> just wants it all to be over.
0: <laughs> yeah let it, Well, let is, it there, is
1: there anyone that you like? Let it end. Is there anybody that you'd like to see appear in this show? HBO is notorious for inviting actors from other series in to, you know, they're a they're family over there, so they like to claim. But really, any actor who you're a fan of that you'd like to see make an appearance in The Last of Us season two?
0: I mean, when I first saw this question the person I don't know why because I'm not even a huge fan or anything but I guess I was thinking of like rugged people and Idris Alba was one of the first mm-hmm. people that like flew through my mind but I I don't know if they do that because it would be like a direct like Joel type competitor right. in a way but I mean that I could see him in a show like this um, hopefully not being killed instantly <laughs> <laughs> but th- but knowing HBO, they'll probably just invite Matt Smith to <laughs> come over from fucking House of Dragons. And he'll be like, okay, and it'll be all white and gross and weird. So I don't know.
1: See, I wrote this question 99% sure you were going to say Matt Smith. So uh, I felt like that was... Uh, uh,
0: but I don't want to see Matt Smith. <laughs> like, that's the difference. <laughs> We've all seen him enough. In that other show Mm -hmm. that I won't talk about, but good God, he's got the perfect pinched
1: face for certain cannibalism or some like monstrous secrets.
0: Yeah, he definitely has pervert written all. I'm sorry, Matt. I mean, he's not a pervert, but I'm just saying he just looks like that rat, weird, like heroin addicted weirdo that you'd come across. So, I mean, it's a, it's definitely. I listen. I don't think he'd say no, but I don't think he says no to much. So I mean, if they wanted to do that, I mean, I I don't know. I feel don't you think that's too blatant a crossover, though, just to have an actor because I mean, he's not low profile on House of Dragons. He's like the lead bad dude. You know what I mean? And I think it would be kind of a little like bleh, to like have him show up on this.
1: Yeah, I get what you mean, but I also feel like the heavy-handedness of that was instantly crossed when they cast Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey in this. Yeah, to begin you've, got with.
0: A, you've got a point, but I I feel like they do legitimately fit, and they weren't lead characters
1: right right
0: you know what i mean like they yes they were on the show but she was not on the show that much she was just incredibly memorable when she was on the Mm -hmm. show and it's kind of the same with him like he he only was on one season right yeah where he was homophobically killed Mm -hmm. near the end like i mean that fucking don't get me started on the fucking show but anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I I don't know. I almost feel like it's a bit like yes, HBO knows them. So maybe they have an in there, but I don't f- I feel like they got those parts legit. Like
2: mm-hmm. it's
0: not like oh, somebody else would have been way better. It's like no, like Pascal is perfect for this. Perfect. Yeah. And casting her was just great thinking.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I think Matt Smith would be it would be too much to have one of the fan favorite characters on a show yeah. That is, I mean, they're not airing simultaneously, but, you know, it's HBO's big winter show and HBO's big fall show, like the main character from one appearing in the other. So I could see that being a little too much. You'd probably have to look for someone who played a smaller role on House of the Dragons, but I don't want to think too much about House of the Dragon right now, so who knows? (laughs) One of those people. You're like,
0: I'm enraged. <laughs> 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 I mean, if you want to cast another fun Doctor Who skinny guy in the show, I'd much rather see David Tennant. But he would last for two minutes before he was killed and eaten. Let's be honest. Yes.
1: Right. So maybe he's not making an <laughs> Yeah, that
0: poor man. <laughs> he's been through enough.
1: <laughs> Bless him. He's like, like, can I just supply a
0: voice of a robot on The Mandalorian? And they'll be like, yes, yes, you can.
1: (laughs) For me, I think, speaking of people who've been through too much pain and suffering, my choice would be um, Laurie Holden. She's the actress who played Andrea in The Walking Dead.
0: Yes, I know. I know exactly who you mean. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, she'd be good.
1: Yeah. Now I didn't realize this but she is actually Canadian-American. Like she has dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. She was born in LA but she but grew up in Toronto. So like I guess there's just that casting ease right there giving the Canadian production.
2: Yeah.
1: But my main reason is because she played the character of Andrea on The Walking Dead. And in the comic books Andrea is an excellent nuanced really incredible character who lives a really long time and who is my favorite character from the comic books and I was so excited to see. And in the show, she is written to be an absolute pile of garbage. So much so that the showrunners purposely moved her death up several <laughs> I remember hearing
0: about this, but I didn't watch the show, but I heard there was like, oh, they rushed somebody's death because she was so fucking annoying.
1: Yes, they threw every possible incompetent woman stereotype at her. They made her just this like incels fantasy of why women can't be strong or capable or anything like that. She was always fucking up, always being a mess, and they moved her character's death up like, I think it was in season three. And this is a character who lived for, like, hundreds of pages in the comic book. They they just moved her up because the fan base was so outraged every time she was on screen. Yeah. And I, like, watching it as a fan of the comic book, I was furious at what they'd done their character. But stepping outside of that, I was like, this character is actually written to be extremely hateable. even if you step outside the misogyny of it and all of the like shittiness that yes. was happening, like this person is making terrible choices in narrative and is doing a lot of harm. So I want to see Lori Holden come back and play a character in a zombie show that doesn't just shit on her. She's a, a pretty talented actor too. And she fits so well in these sort of, apocalyptic settings it's not like the walking dead was her only go at something like this
0: right right
1: so i i would like to see her come and and do a do a stint or a character i wonder if she i don't think she's ever worked with hbo before but she'd be my pick to bring on
0: that's so rough on an actor that's Mm -hmm. And only women have to deal with that. Like, yes, men can play hateful, horrible characters, but they don't get that weird, like, misogynist hatred of, mm-hmm. like, women should die and all this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Yeah. It, that That is so tough. Especially if in the, in the original source material, she's totally fine. Yeah. And it, it just seems like, why are you doing this on purpose? It's, yeah. It's kind of yeah it's kind of unpleasant yeah
1: Lori, if you're listening i don't think you're yeah. listening but if you are no.
0: we, we love you <laughs> if we if like you you want to
1: see the uh, kicks of mass
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny i i was watching um i don't know her name so that's gonna be really lame but i was watching the mandalorian you're gonna be surprised about that <laughs> and this past episode they feature this character that's been on several times who was working on the bad side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it, it's is—it's a woman, but she is jacked as... Fu- like, she... i It was one of those people in uniform at first, I couldn't quite tell if she mm-hmm. was female or just kind of female-looking young male.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She is female. She's unbelievably scary and she's quite enormous like i don't know if she was actually a stunt woman that they're like oh she's pretty decent let's see like i'm not sure what's going on but she's way more muscular than a regular actress even if like like bigger you know what i mean like right. usually with with i find with mainstream actresses they don't let them get bolt yeah Unless it's very specialized, right? Like unless it's the woman from Alien who's like the second commander or whatever, and she was like enormous. But that's that's very rare to see. And but when I saw her, I thought she'd do well on the second season mm-hmm. for a certain character that I am aware of now. <laughs> 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 like people like that. Like I think I think it would be actually good for them to cast some people that we don't know. Because it's very effective if they're good people. Like, the the brothers, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not saying totally unknown, but they're not super famous, mm-hmm. but can nail it, both, yes. both physically and in their acting experience. Like, it's nice to not see familiar faces everywhere sometime. Like, I think, I, I feel like putting a Matt Smith in there, it's really like, okay, like, it does take you out of it a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm
1: unless the actor is so perfectly matched in i don't know physical description yeah. or
0: that they disappear into it yeah yeah i i agree but i just don't know if matt is in there i just <laughs> he'd don't
1: you'd make, make a great clicker you put a mushroom on his face and absolutely
0: he... yeah if he wanted to have a fun couple days of shooting that would be yeah. awesome yeah I, I don't i don't need to see matt take up space of somebody else who might be a little more interesting sorry matt sorry
1: (laughs) but no i agree with you jerica because it is always good when a show or movie casts with the story in mind first and not who's gonna who's gonna put butts in seats and yeah i feel like something with the last like the last of us that has a built-in fan base they in theory, have more wiggle room to do something like that. I'm sure HBO was still like, you got to put at least one recognizable name in here. Or oh L. yeah,
0: but he- you can Hedra. Pedro, Pedro, Pedro.
1: Yeah, he's, so... he's got
0: it covered. <laughs> Dude's blowing up.
1: <laughs> he, he wasn't exactly like he was. He was known. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't yeah. like um, a, an A-list like massive movie star level not at all
0: part. not at all <laughs> so but, i mean the mandalorian did help him a lot right right a lot so yeah but you're right it's he's not a movie star or something like that like he's been in some fucking awesome movies but he's not a movie yeah. star per se yeah watch unbearable weight of massive talent just do it you got you <laughs> have to do it if you guys haven't seen it unbearable weight of massive talent him and nick cage i'm telling you you want to see two powerhouses going at it it's the funniest shit i think i've ever seen the movie's insane it's Mm -hmm. insane but it works
1: there you go folks when you're done listening to this podcast
0: it's on crave you guys it's on crave
1: do it so i feel like pedro was a big enough name to bring people in but also was very well-suited for the part. and 100%.
0: Look,
1: he disappeared into that character. We weren't all like... I mean, maybe next season we'll all be like, Pedro!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: So, you know, I think, I think that would be... I think it's great that the show chose actors who were suited for the roles and kept the narrative at its center instead of going for, like, huge celebrities. And in turn, I think that will make the actors who are lesser known into huge celebrities, as we're already seeing with Pedro's star power going up, Bella's, a lot of people.
0: And then finally, we've got hopes for season two. Milo, (laughs) do you have hope for season two? What do you want to see happen? I
1: am hopeful, Jerrica. I do want to see some more season long arcs if possible, as opposed to the more episodic nature that we got. I'd like to see side characters live past their introductory episodes and past the episode immediately following their introductory episode. Three episodes and they die? Okay. But yeah. I would like a more than two episode long narrative. I'm really excited to see jackson wyoming the community presented as a situation that is neither fedra the descendant of the former u.s government as a military dictatorship versus you know power to the people in quotation marks but the people are fucking it up just as badly
0: yeah
1: i'm sure there will be some shady moments in jackson but oh, i would maria. like yeah yes maria that is...
0: dumb bitch oh my god <laughs>
1: We don't know. Maybe she's she's a great time.
2: Maybe
0: but... she's fine.
1: <laughs> so I'm hoping that while they they might include some like weirdness on the side, that we get to see a community that is thriving outside of the current systems of power. Yeah. Um and is building a legitimate communal experience in the world after the one that we currently live in. So those are my big hopes. What about you, Jerrica?
0: Well, I'm very inter- interested to see one, how long they actually are allowed to remain in that area because this show is <laughs> all about the traveling and I feel like they will find a new reason to travel. And two, Bye. I'm kind of interested in I'm curious to see if they start to recede Joel's role a little bit because I feel a separation coming on.
2: So Mm. I don't
0: know what that will entail if he stays in the community and Ellie goes on an adventure with another person or by herself or gets into a whole other political struggle on her own, like a sort of a growing up, growing out point. But I definitely see friction coming.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I definitely, I mean, Joel's character is not as young as pedro pascal like he is in his 50s i'm like i don't know how long like i feel like this buddy cop movie thing is gonna be split and what i'm interested in is can the show succeed when Mm. you break up that dynamic which they have i mean they they have to go forward they were already doing it that's what the story is and i'm not arguing that decision because things change and people grow up and mm-hmm. things happen. I, I'm interested to see what comes next, because I feel like we're in this weird gray area where she's she knows he's lying. So that's going to set off a whole thing in her head. It's like, what am I doing with this guy? Who really is this guy? Like, what is what is my purpose in life if it wasn't to come up with a vaccine?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
0: she does so that's sort of what i'm interested to see coming and i agree with you i also want to see a little bit longer plot points i want to see people living past an episode or an episode in five minutes and in the next episode or you know whatever
1: It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time i hope i don't know when they're gonna go to camera audit but i'm hoping that we don't have to wait two years
0: I don't know. Like these like the- these shows are such movie like endeavors that I don't know mm-hmm. how realistic it is to think, like, oh, by next year, it's going to be real, like totally ready to go. I have no idea. I don't know how th- these things go.
1: No, you're right. It might be sometime. <laughs> Cause with House of the Dragon, not to mention that show again, but <laughs> they weren't sure. And they were right to not be sure because we all know how much of a fucking mess game of thrones was at the end yeah but they weren't sure if house of the dragon people were going to forgive what happened with the end of game of thrones and i think that put a lot of motivation into why they didn't go they didn't even seem to be planning to go to camera until like the end of the season whereas
0: i don't think they have to i was happy with one season i gotta be honest with you i watched it and Mm -hmm. i'm like that's fine but am i invested not really (laughs)
1: I mean, well, we well there there are separate thoughts. That That's have a whole about other what they thing. Could have done with House of the Dragon, yeah. But with The Last of Us, like you said, Jerica, I think they're pretty confident in what they've done, and I feel like they were yeah. pretty confident from the get-go that they were yeah. going to have a hit on their hands. Yeah, and yeah. I am hoping that translates into them going to camera sometime in summer twenty twenty-three or maybe fall. And then maybe we get season two
0: so in like, the fall. I like, get this shit together. Okay. <laughs> Let's get it going. I have
1: to go to Alberta. I'm going to be in Alberta twice this summer for weddings. I am going to be hunting down every production company there, being like, call the last of us. Tell them to get their asses over here. You should we see if you could be an extra. <laughs> I would like to have, I could be okay. a bloater. I'm tall.
0: You could do whatever. You just you, you could be an extra that gets, like, attacked. You could be a zombie. Just somebody in the background running around. And then you could be like, that's me, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> See that I two seconds? Two. That was me. Actually, two seconds would be a very long time. But half a second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My whole reason for moving to Alberta for university was to eventually show up on a zombie show set there a decade and a half later. That's right. So it's, it's destiny. It's yes, all so.
0: coming back to you now. <laughs> Milo, I think this is it for season one of The Last of Us. Thanks again.
1: You know, I, I think we had a great time these last few weeks.
0: Yes. Yeah, me and too. I'm I've very gotten happy. a lot of compliments. <laughs> You're a very intelligent person, me less so. But it goes together And so well.
2: are you, Jerry. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: I think we provide an excellent balance of rage and joy (laughs) that people like to do on their Fridays, whatever day you happen to pick up our podcast after Jerrica has tirelessly put together these episodes all on their own while also dying at her day job.
0: So it's (laughs) It's fine. Just need some rubber to bite on. Every
1: week. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i hope you listeners out there have enjoyed our our little banter we'll definitely be back for season two unless some horrible tragedy befalls us both but yeah. you can know that probably won't happen fingers
0: crossed fingers crossed let's not let's not assume this isn't gonna happen in real life but if it doesn't <laughs> we'll be back for season two thanks milo for the last time bye bye jerica see you next year You've been listening to the Popular Parallax Limited Series Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Popular Parallax. Episode produced by Ann Meehan. Theme song by Ken Chamberlain. We'll see you next time. And remember...
2: Daddy is a state of mind, you know what I'm saying? I'm your daddy.